Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zerah Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. God wants to give victory to his people. He is able to do so, but be aware of something. When we violate the word of God, when we transgress, when we rebel, in other words, when there's sin in our life, that sin is going to affect us adversely. It is going to have a negative outcome in our, our daily existence. When there's sin in our life, we are not going to experience the power, the anointing, and the victory that God wants us to have. Well, with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Joshua and chapter 7. The book of Joshua, chapter 7. Now, we've just concluded a great chapter. Joshua chapter 6. When we have learned about the, the battle of Jericho and how the people walked in faithfulness, how they trusted God, and how God moved mightily and supernaturally, miraculously, in order to provide victory for the people. And it wasn't based upon their weapons. It wasn't based upon their ability. It wasn't based upon anything that was human. It was based simply because these people, under the leadership of Joshua, they trusted in God. What does that mean? They obeyed his instructions. Never forget, never forget the relationship between trusting God and obeying his word. These two things go hand in hand. Well, look with me, if you would, to the book of Joshua in chapter 7 for a, a study concerning failure. Now, at times we all experience failure. And that failure can stem from a multiplicity of reasons. But let's look at one according to this chapter. And we'll see what it is in a minute. Joshua chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. We read here. And the children of Israel, they did something. Now, this word, mem ein lamet, when we look at it in modern Hebrew, it's the word for embezzlement so the children of israel embezzled they took that which was not rightly theirs it belonged to someone else oftentimes embezzlement is when an employee takes something from the company that he ought not and this is exactly what we see here that there was one individual hear that one individual within this camp this large group of the children of Israel, one person's sin can have a highly adverse outcome for the entire people. And that's to let us know that, that we do not live as an island, that we're all in it together, the people of God, and that we are one people. 
And when there is sin in the camp, there are serious consequences. So again, verse 1, And the children of Israel embezzled. They took an embezzlement from, and this next word is the word cherem, which means those things that are supposed to be holy, totally dedicated, that means destroyed, or put into the treasury of the, the, the house of the Lord at this time within the tabernacle treasury. So we see that something was taken. There was an embezzlement. Something that was rightly to be destroyed was not. Once more. And the children of Israel embezzled an embezzlement among the devoted things. The things that ought to be devoted, destroyed. And one person, his name is Achan, Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zavdi, the son of Zerach. He took, and he was from the tribe of Judah, he took from the harem, these devoted things that were called to be destroyed. He took what was not his. And because of that, we're going to see the outcome, the consequence, what it's going to do, and here's the principle. When there is sin in our life, it is going to empower and encourage the enemy to attack. We're not going to be victorious. We are going to, with sin, brings defeat. Therefore, because there was sin in the camp, Israel was going to suffer a loss. So we see this one, Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerach. Why all this information? To teach us this was a real historical event, a real person. He was from the tribe of Judah, and he took from these devoted things. And what was the outcome? Look at the end of verse 1. We see that the anger, and this is a word that relates to wrath, that the anger of the Lord was was hot it was kindled against the children of Israel verse 2 now what we see here is that this was done but no one knew this but Achan it was a secret we're going to see that it was undisclosed but just because something is undisclosed to humanity God knows all things so you can have that, that hidden sin in your life. It's not hidden. God knows it. And that unconfessed sin, sin that's not dealt with properly, is going to have an adverse outcome. And even when we, we confess it, we put it under the blood of Messiah, there still at times can be consequences. We can be forgiven we can receive God's mercy. It is not going to, to impact where we spend eternity. It is forgiven. It's under the blood. But it can still have an earthly consequence in this age, in this world. Now look at verse 2. It was after this battle of Jericho successfully that we see that, that Joshua, look at verse 2, that Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. This is a location which is with the house of 
Avin. Now, this is the location. He's telling us where it is, which is furthermore, he says, which is east of Bethel. So we have a general location where it is. Joshua is speaking, and he says to them, these individuals, saying, Go up and spy out the land. Now, what are they in the process of? Taking possession of the land of the Canaanites. Now, they took the most fortified, the strongest place, Jericho, and they took it because God was with them with ease. They had a supernatural, miraculous victory. And God's power, his authority, God's victory was experienced by the people. But in the midst of that, this one man, Achan, he took from the devoted things, those things that should have been destroyed or or given totally over to God. And what happens? Well, we're going to see. So he sends these people saying, go up and spy out the land, specifically I. Verse 3. They did this, and it tells us that these people went up, they spied out the, the place called I. Verse 3, and they returned to Joshua. And they said to him, Do not go up all the people. In other words, there's no need for all the people that they should go up. But they say, approximately 2,000 men or 3,000 men, they should go up. So there's no need for all the camp of Israel to fight. Now, we need to realize something, and that's they, they didn't pray about it. They weren't looking at the, the situation correctly because God determines the battle plans how many people go up, how it is, is how war is waged. But they were fighting in a very natural way. They went and they looked at the people of I and they saw they're not many. Therefore, we can take them with two at most, 3,000 men are necessary to, to bring about this victory. That we can't look at the end of verse, verse 3 where it says, and they shall strike, these two or 3,000 men shall strike, I, meaning they will give them that death blow. They will give them that, that, that strike that's going to bring about victory. They say at the end, there is no need to worry there all the people, for they, meaning the people of I, are few. Now verse 4. Based upon this intelligence, from this spying out, Joshua agreed. And what do we find? Look at verse 4. And they went up from the people towards there, so towards this place of I, 3,000 men. Joshua sent the larger number. 3,000 men went up, but what happened? Look at the end of verse 4. But they fled before the the people of I. Now they were small in number. They only sent up three thousand soldiers, a relatively small number compared to the armies of Israel. This this group of I did not seem at all intimidating. That Israel could take them easily. After all, they were victorious with with the city 
of Jericho, this, this strong fortress of a city surrounded by, by walls. This was not the case with I, and therefore it should have been very easy, but we know why it wouldn't be. And the answer is, there is sin in the camp. Realize something. When there is sin in your life that you have not confessed, that you have not dealt with properly, that you have not made amends, that you have not set an order, that is going to certainly adversely affect you. It is going to impact how you think, how you see things, how you perform. Every aspect of your life is going to be affected by this. And this is one of the takeaways for this passage of Scripture. Look now to, to verse verse 5. And the men of Ai, they struck from them approximately 36 men. So of that 3,000 that went up, 36 did not return. 36, they were what? They were put to death and these men of i it says keep reading in the middle of verse five they pursued them followed after them before the gate now the gate in battle has to do with victory and they successfully defended their gate israel wasn't able to capture it and therefore they pursued the children of israel these uh, 3,000 men approximately that were left, all the way to Shivarim. Now, here again, everything has significance. Do you think it's just by chance that they were pursued unto this place, Shivarim? Now, the word Shivarim means broken. And here's the message for us. When we have sin in our life, we are going to be broken meaning this we're not going to function properly you have a a something at your home some type of equipment some uh instrument vessel and you want to use it and it doesn't function right and what do you say it's broken and this is what god is saying the children of israel because of sin they are a broken people they cannot function properly and therefore we're told this by the fact that the place where they fled to all the way to Shivarim. This word Shivarim means fragments, broken ones. And they were struck, that is, they, the, the men of Ai, struck them, the children of Israel, on this what? Again, everything's important in the scripture. On this uh, descent, this, this ramp that went down. So we're talking about a piece of land that, that descended. And what do we see here? Well, you are either going to be on that upward call or you are going down. And because of sin, the children of Israel, they went down in defeat. This is the message of this passage. And look at them from a spiritual standpoint. It says, the heart of the people melted and it became like water. So instead of having strength and confidence and assurance, relying upon God, trusting in him, knowing that he is the source of victory, their heart melted and was like water that day. All of this can be traced back to the sin of one individual. 
And, and he wasn't part of the battle, but he affected the outcome of the battle because of what he had done. And we'll see in a more specific way what actually was, was bothering God. Verse 6. Now, Yahushua, he heard what had happened. He heard of this defeat, this shameful fleeing, that the people were broken, that their hearts had melted like water. And what did he do? Look at verse 6. And Joshua, he tore his, his garments and he fell upon his face towards the ground before the, the ark of the Lord until evening. Now, the ark of the Lord, one thing that the ark of the Lord conveys to us is the presence of God. And therefore, he went before God, before the ark of the covenant of the Lord God. And he fell upon his face in humility. He fell upon his face, as we'll see, in repentance because he knew that, that the outcome of Israel being defeated was because of sin in the camp. And notice what else happened. It says here that not only he had done this to evening, but he and the elders of Israel. And also they cause uh, dirt. Oh, we might think of this as ashes, but it literally says ground dirt to be placed upon their heads as a sign of, of shame and embarrassment and remorse and repent. Verse 7, and Joshua said, aha. Now, that word at different times can mean different things. I'm speaking about the Hebrew word, aha. It's a word of declaration. It's a word that comes full of emotion and a word that comes also with a degree of understanding. Joshua understood how serious this was. And he says, keep reading in the middle of verse 7. Lord God, why did you cause us to pass over this passing of this people across the Jordan in order to give us into the hand of the Amorites that, that we should perish? And then he says at the end of verse verse 7, Lu, and this word lu means I wish something else. I, I would have been contented, this next word, I would have been contented if we dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Now, now this shows that, that Joshua, this man of God, this faithful one, he is as well being affected because being content to, to settle on the other side, that's not the will of God. That's not the purpose of God. That's not going to bring about the outcome of God's plans and his will for not only Israel, but for the world. We can't be content with something that is not God's plan and purpose. Now, I would write that down. I would, would, would meditate upon that statement. I cannot be content with that which is not God's will. Too many times people are willing to compromise. Now, last night, I was listening to a, a message 
that uh, a very well-known fact he has one of the largest congregations in the United States he's based in Atlanta and this one was speaking and he was talking about politics and he was encouraging people to run to the middle he says it's in the middle not the extremes but it's the middle where we can see things better we can understand the other one well to me that is a heretical statement we need to be focused upon truth and he glibly said you know we all change our political opinions now and then over time well if they're based upon truth we're not going to change we all know the recent supreme court decision concerning abortion i've been pro-life for for decades and and nothing's going to change that my political views don't change over time he was sharing that well culture and the influence of others you know they'll give you a different perspective god forbid we should not be influenced by culture and other individuals we need to be influenced by the revelation of god's word and simply this one has a very low esteem for the authority of scripture and this is the real conflict it's not it's, i'm not saying he's not a nice guy but i'm saying he does not respect the word of god and that invalidates him from the position that he's, he's in we need to respect this book it is the source of truth and without this revelation we are helpless in the world honor it esteem it and obey it allow it to be the source of you formatting all your views political social whatever it might be and we see here it is wrong that joshua said if only this word lou if only we we were content to remain basically on the other side of the jordan god forbid verse 8 be adonai which means please O Lord, what can be said after Israel has has turned, and it means to turn and show the back of their neck before their enemies. This is a humiliation. This is a defeat that 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 says so much. And Joshua is concerned with the ramifications of such a defeat being defeated by who this little people i that that were small in number he understood how devastating this was and notice something else verse 9 he says the canaanites they were here and all the residents of the land that can mean the land of canaan or perhaps the world and what will they do they will surround us and they will cut off our name from the world and what will you do concerning your great name so he's saying god we're your people you have placed your your name upon us we are the people of the lord god and we've been defeated by this small people this this small in number people they've defeated us well what can we think in such a, a a defeat as this verse 10 
And the Lord said to Joshua, Rise up. What is this that you have fallen upon your face? He says, Why are are you so surprised by this? And he gives the answer of why this is happening. It's not bad luck. It's not just a victim of circumstances and such. There's a reason, and it is this. Israel has sinned. Look at verse 11. Chata Yisrael. Israel has made sin. Also, they have transgressed my covenant, which I have commanded them. They've broken covenant. They've also taken from the the devoted things, the harem. And also they have stolen, and also they have concealed. Also, they have put it within their vessels. So this is the problem. There is sin in the camp. God knows exactly, exactly what has been done. And because of that, victory, where there is sin, there won't be victory. That's why we need to be wise like David. We need to pour over the Psalms. And as David taught us to go before the Lord, ask God to examine us, to to see if there's any sin maybe that we're not aware of, that we're guilty of, so that we can confess it and deal with it properly. Yes, put it under the blood of Messiah, but also to make whatever amends that we can do in regard to my sinful, your sinful behavior. So again, he says, look at verse 11. There is sin in the camp. Israel has sinned. Also, they have transgressed my covenant which i have commanded them there's disobedience also they have taken from the harem that those devoted things unto the lord they have stolen they have concealed this and they have put it in their own vessels meaning they have taken what does not belong to them and made it their own verse 12. the children of israel they are not able to rise up before their enemies here you are not going to have victory you're not going to be able to stand against the opposition when there is sin in your life you are heading for defeat every time and if by some chance that sin doesn't immediately affect you and you seem to to go through it okay it's just a matter of time the longer it takes for the consequence of sin to find you out the more severe those consequences are going to be. Look again at verse 12, which is our last verse. The children of Israel, they are not able to rise up before their enemies. For the back of the neck, they have turned before their enemies. That is humiliation. And what is this a message of? When there is sin in my life, It's just a matter of time that that sin is going to bring humiliation to me. It is going to be a a cause of great shame. So sin, there is shame, humiliation, defeat, weakness. You become broken. You cannot function properly. You can't see things right. What good comes from sin? Nothing. Now, I want to go off on a tangent for a moment. Because to me, it is so unbelievable that when I say that our salvation is eternally secure by 
the sufficiency of the cross that people are offended by that and they say if you teach that that god eternally saves someone and nothing can change that that's going to lead people towards sin no it's not that is a horrendous statement as i've said before the whole motivation for me and hopefully for you as well to accept that gospel is that i didn't want sin in my life i was able to discern based upon the revelation of god's word the conviction that god gave to me through the conscience i could see that sin doesn't bring about good things therefore i wanted to turn away from sin and i wanted to be reconciled to god now the fact that god says to me as he says to every believer you are my eternal son or you are my eternal daughter i will never leave you nor forsake you and your salvation is secure in the work of my son nothing can bring that eternal defeat upon you now when i hear that that is humbling that is is endearing that that produces love in me for god it it produces a desire to serve him to walk with him to embrace him to to follow him that statement of of great love that god says i'll never toss you away i will never never break my relationship with you what my son did is sufficient for us to be one forever i hear that 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 makes me want to go out and sin i think i can get away with something oh god because i'm going to be in heaven i'm not going to experience hell now because of that i'm going to go out and do all these sin why we've just learned what does sin produce nothing good sin doesn't give me joy it may at times gratify some fleshly aspect of an individual but that gratification is fleeing it departs quickly and there's a down a down outcome from that 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 gratification leaves and you are empty you are brought down there's no joy you feel guilty you are ashamed nothing good comes from it and this is what god is telling the children of israel he says here look again the last part of verse 12 they have turned the back of the neck before their enemies for they will become harem now this is that same word which means that which is destroyed utterly destroyed and what god is saying to joshua is this if there's not a change if you don't deal with this if you don't seek my forgiveness my mercy then then israel is going to be destroyed god can do that god is not bound to to us in the sense that he's got to no it's his nature to bless but just like we see those individuals that were faithless and would not trust him in the wilderness they died out there they didn't reap the rewards now god did not uh, cast away that covenantal promise but those people weren't the recipients of it realize that's what he's saying here if there's not change you are going to be destroyed and he says 
and I will no longer be with you. And then finally, what do you have to do? He says, if you do not destroy that harem, that which you were supposed to destroy, you've got to destroy it from your midst. You have to deal and have that sin dealt with properly. It has to be destroyed. That's what I wanted originally. It's harem, meaning destroy it totally. You've got to do that. And unless that's done, God's not going to change. God's not going to renew his relationship. God's not going to bless. God's not going to give victory. And let me conclude by saying this. If you have not confessed your sin to the Lord Messiah Yeshua, that is Jesus Christ, trusting in what he did upon that cross, he paid the price for your sin. If you have not confessed him, say, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, I believe with all my heart what you did upon that cross pays my sin debt perfectly and eternally for all my sins, past, present, and future. I receive your grace. I confess your name. I believe that not only you died, but I also confess and believe in my heart that that you were raised from the dead on that third day, signifying eternal life, that new life that we can have. You need to do that. Confess him. Accept that gospel. And notice the change that will happen to you. You will be born again. You will be a new creation. You will see things differently. And you will be put on a new course for eternity. That you might have eternal victory. That's what God has for the people. But he has only one way for us to receive that eternal victory. Well, I'll close with that until next time. Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.